Spencer rap. <laughs> Is that what rap music sounds like to you? Yes. Welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch, the show where we watch movies we loved in our youth and see loved if they're actually <laughs> still any good. I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm <laughs> Sam. I'm Ash. <laughs> it sounded like someone had like just grabbed me by the balls yeah. or something. We <laughs> loved it, are you? This is the guy that did not sleep all night and we're just giving him shit. So, yeah. so here's another movie that I love. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Beetlejuice. Gross. Beetlejuice. Okay, that's Beetlejuice. one. Oh, Wait, damn it. <laughs> hey everybody, it's me, Michael Keaton. <laughs> I mean Beetlejuice. God, you look like hell, Michael Keaton. What have you been up That'd to? Be great if you Hey, it's me, Michael Keaton. <laughs> Man, I just remembered I dressed as Beetlejuice for Halloween as a child. I had somehow I had a white suit and I had black electrical tape. <laughs> oh my god. That's adorable. Yes. So this is a movie what was made in 1990, 1988. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That was like when I was born. Yeah. Are you wow. serious? Yeah, 88. Yeah. That's yep. when Ash was born oh too. What, what? How do you, <laughs> we have discussed this so many yeah. times? How it's just you? weird that there are people who were not alive when Beetlejuice came out. <laughs> I mean, when did it come out? They might have been alive. Yeah, what month? (laughs) (laughs) We're we're not going to get that great. So this would have been Mr. Tim Burton's second major motion picture. He'd done a lot of like small student filmy type stuff. What was the movie he did before this one that was really big? Who remembers that? Was it Nightmare for Christmas? Scissorhands? You're super close. Scissorhands was after this. Actually, there was another movie between this and Scissorhands. Oh. This was like prime Tim Burton time. Was the Batman before or after? Batman was between this and Scissorhands. So what was before this? There was Frank and Weenie was his short. Right. And then Disney snatched him right after college. So it must have been a Disney film. That you're talking no. about. Not that he no. direct. No, it doesn't he, have any Disney connection as far as I know. He got fired. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. He was like an, uh, a storyboard artist for Disney, I, something like I that? I think so. Uh, I don't. Uh, this definitely wasn't the incident that got him fired, but he's kind of famous in Disney for showing up like literally hours after getting his wisdom teeth pulled and removed. And he just pulled all the gauze out of his mouth and just let the blood drip down his face and on his shirt and went around kids. saying hi to everyone. <laughs> like, what the fuck, Tim? Get out. Like, bleed all over. If you told me that story, then ask me to guess who was the star of that story. I think Ooh. Tim Burton is who I would have guessed. Yep. Almost nope. had a drink emergency. Um, but I have no fucking clue. Yeah, I, don't know I think I need is. to let you off the hook. Yeah. And I might be the one of us that loves this movie. Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. Uh, Holy shit. Was before this. I didn't even know he did that. I didn't. Really? Yeah. I mean, I kind of knew, but I forgot. Yeah. It's. Yeah. You gotta watch Pee Wee again. It's, we need to add that to our list. Yeah, I'm not certain I've on ever for that one. I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't know who that is, but okay. Stephen Kyoto. He did Large uh, Marge. He did in, Team America. Oh, right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be fun. So, yeah, this is <clears throat> the earliest Tim Burton. And I remember this being pretty big. Mm-hmm. And I remember it having like significant production value for being the guy's second movie. It ha- yeah. yeah, it definitely has good production value. Yeah. They it, definitely had a budget. Yeah. 
it reminds me style-wise a lot of Monkey Bone. But which like we've a, discussed. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is like a decade before it. Yeah. So. Which I was told I was full of shit when I compared it to Beetlejuice. And then we watched <laughs> Monkey Bone. I was wrong. And it was pretty obvious. Yeah, it was like a knockoff Beetlejuice. Yeah. You mean the whole downtown? Yeah. So this movie also has just like an amazing cast. Gina Davis. Mm-hmm. So I, I, was, I was looking at Winona. it and seeing like not only are these a lot of people that we love – but it was right around the other movie that we love them in. So I was going to kind of go around the room since you said Gina Davis. What else did Gina Davis do like right at that same time? A League of Their Own. I think that was a little later, later, but that's good. I, I, I'd have to look it up. I like picked out like, oh, yeah, this is the main Gina Davis jam. And it was like right the next year. And I did that for I like thought- everybody in this movie. But I think League of Their Own, that's a great choice. But I think it was a few years after this. Okay. I have to look it up. I don't know that I'm super familiar with her films, to be honest. For me, it was The Fly and Uh, Earth Girls Are Easy mm. were both. I've never seen either of those. Yeah, me neither. So Earth Girls Are Easy was the same year as Beetlejuice, which is shocking because it feels like a really, really old movie. Isn't Jeff Goldblum in that movie? Yeah. I've never seen it. And, uh... Jim Carrey and Damon oh. Wayans are the Jim aliens. Jim Carrey. Weird. Yeah. There's Very something weird about a movie with Jim Carrey and Jeff Goldblum in it. It just doesn't yeah. sound like <laughs> something that would happen, so but I guess good. it did. Man, Jim Carrey has turned into the weirdest guy. Yeah. I oh, I'm sorry, him. Jim Carrey. My brain was thinking Drew Carrey, and I was oh, like, "Oh my god, god that would be awesome!" <laughs> I was like, "That's a weird combination." Hey, aliens. <laughs> Any Earth girls around here? All right, Brett, who else is in this movie? You're going to make me remember names here. Okay. Uh, there's that, that the guy, the overweight guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was in Jurassic <laughs> Thank Park, you. right? Nick was giving me such a weird look. <laughs> Wait. No. Uh, no, no cause, but cause I see how you're drawing the connection. The guy yeah. I'm thinking of, I'm shocked he's the one you would pick out of the crowd. Are you thinking of Glenn Shaddix? Is that sounds maybe like it's the right one. He's the he's like one of the villainy dudes. That's a weird choice, man. There's a lot of really great recognizable people. <laughs> the only other movie I can think of with him, he was an orangutan in Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, and he was super good. Hmm. Huh. But I just remember, like, in in a lot of the the zaniness of this movie, he's like yeah. a really weird dude. Yeah, I think so. It stood out. Weird choice, man. Is he the one that does the seance? No. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Wait. Or he was there. I think so. He's at the seance or I mean, that's the thing. Like, we, if you guys are anything like me, like, there's little nuggets that you remember and... Yeah, I'm not, like, super deep on the full plot of this movie. I feel like I have a pretty good memory of the whole film. I'm I'm blanking on the guy's name. I know who you're thinking of. It's the husband, dude. Yeah. What's his name? I don't... (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember his name in the movie. But no, it's the actor's name. Alec Baldwin. No. Did you say Alec Baldwin? I mean, Alec Baldwin is totally in this. He's really? Not, he's not Alec the Baldwin fat guy. Is by in this? No, 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 no. No, I thought Sam was talking about I'm talking about the main guy. I moved on from fat oh, guy. Main guy was Alec Baldwin. <laughs> it's Alec Baldwin? Yeah, absolutely. What? The what? Fuck? I did not remember it being Alec yeah, Baldwin. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, yeah he turned he into a bloated old white man after after this. this but this is. <laughs> 
Is that your description of Alec Baldwin? Alec Baldwin is like, if you watch this movie and and be oh, like, because he's like super thin. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> this was two years before you know, Red October. Some people get old, Brett. And- Someone put a tire pump up his ass and, and oh wow. Like okay, stop. A- You're taking it way too far. <laughs> Jesus. Now. Let's talk to you Ouch. when you're sixty. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll deserve the criticism by then. Right. Who else is in it? Ash? Winona Ryder. Yeah, Winona. so our our mom from uh, Stranger Things is in this. Yes, mm-hmm. she's so good, and she's supposed to be what like seventeen in this, and she's yeah. like twenty seven, twenty eight. Are you? Kidding is she really me? when yeah. she played the role? I, I wow. had to look it up. Damn, so, she looked young for a long time. And Scissor Hands was after this. Yes. So she, wow, she looks really young in Scissorhands, too. She's supposed to be, like, 18 or something in that. Also... Scissorhands was two years later in 1990. Wow. Dracula, so that's after this, and she looks really young She does look really young. She's in Little Women, and she looks really young, because she plays her young self and her older self. Interesting. Oh, really? I've I've never seen it. She does that in Scissorhands, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. See, so yeah, Little Women and Reality Bites were both ninety four, and then uh, Scissorhands was nineteen ninety. Yeah. So this was prime time for uh, for Winona. So of course, Michael Keaton. Yes. Yeah. Come on. Um, Batman was two years later, or the, was one year later. What is your? I was talking because I was talking to somebody about how we were doing Beetlejuice, and we started talking about our favorite Michael Keaton roles. So what is your favorite Michael Keaton role? Batman. Batman? Batman was weird. Like, I guess you guys, you two-year-olds, didn't remember it, but he was I remember Batman. Oh, yeah. When it came out, it was freaking weird. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like hiring Jim Carrey to play Batman. Yeah. It was bizarre. And then we all went and watched it, and it was amazing. Was he the first one with the nipple suit, too? No. No, that was much later. Val Kilmer. No, Clooney was nipple suit Batman. My favorite role of his is actually in Much Ado About Nothing. He's just so hilarious in that movie. I mean, I love Beetlejuice, too, but it's, it's a role that he did that not many people remember, but he's just so good in that film. And, and like, even now, like... Birdman. Oh my God, that's Birdman true. Birdman again for the new Spider-Man movie, <laughs> where he basically played Birdman. Yeah, the, the, he's he's Birdman, and then B- Birdman and Batman, and it's so weird. Like he just yeah. keeps doing the same thing. Birdman, Vulture, Batman. He's been all three. Yeah, and he he's even in the remake of RoboCop, and he was really good. Oh really? Yeah, it's weird. Oh. He's just having this awesome resurgence. Uh, well, you know they're Kitana remaking songs. Beetlejuice, right? Or not remaking, but they're making Beetlejuice too. You know, when I was flipping through IMDb, I saw an entry for Beetlejuice too and didn't look at it. Yeah, they they're Is that in pre-production. Happening? Yeah, with they're like writing Michael this. Keaton. Winona Ryder's signed on. I don't know if Michael oh. Keaton is, but Winona is. Son of Beetlejuice. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they'd have to have Michael Keaton, right? One would think. Yeah. I mean, he's older, but I think he could pull it off. It's a heavily makeup character i don't think the vulture sells it but like his kind of like crazed attitude from like when he was in the founder as as dry and boring of a movie as that was like i guess you could still see like in his eyes he's a fucking whack dude like he would be good in he's got the crazy eyes yeah (laughs) yeah he's got the crazy crazy eyes yeah but did you guys see spider-man no. Yeah. Yeah. He was really good it as was, Vulture. He was, I think, the best part of the movie. 
Like he did a really good job. Yeah. Not it that was, it was a bad movie or anything, but it was he was really good in it. It was really good. And it was a weird reimagining of Vulture that really, really worked. Yeah, that was totally super good. All right, who else is in this? There's two more that I wanted to talk about who are not as big, but I think uh, really the fun. mom of oh, yeah, yeah. Winona Ryder. What's her name? She's the also the mom from Home Alone. But I Catherine can't. O'Hara. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, this yeah. was two years before Home Alone, which mm-hmm. I would have guessed the opposite. Oh yeah, I would have thought Home yeah. Alone was yeah. newer. That's odd. So I think Catherine O'Hara is one of our Second City comedians and early Saturday. Oh really? Night Live. She's from Second City. Yeah, I'm. Oh cool. Pretty sure. That's cool. Yeah. And then I'm guess you guys aren't going to guess the other, but I know that there's another famous person in the underworld, right? They play like a character in the underworld. Am I wrong? I thought there was someone else. Somebody I'm not remembering. There's like a bit role that maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't know. Isn't the guy that's like pinned up who was flattened? Isn't that like a comedian? See, this is stuff that I'm just not remembering. Oh, I, I fucking love this movie. So I I remember (laughs) a lot of it. Yeah, I feel like I really like it. It's just been a while. But the other one I'm thinking of is Jeffrey Jones, um, the the principal from Ferris Bueller. Oh, he's oh, in the And that yeah. was 1986. Who is he in the film? He's the he's like the mom's boyfriend or the realtor or something. Oh, I'm I'm having a hard time drawing that connection because I think the guy we we're talking about before, Glenn Shaddix, was Catherine O'Hara's husband or. No, maybe Jeffrey Jones is the husband and he's like the interior designer guy. Yeah, there's something mm. like that. There's some like flamboyant yeah. character that Yeah. that she is like hanging out with or something. Yeah. I always remember you talked about interior design, side note. I the thing that always was very distinctive to me about the Beetlejuice house was that like weird patio they had that had like I don't know if you guys remember, but the house has like a patio, but instead of it just being like, or like a deck, instead of it just being a normal deck, there's like a side to it that looks like the side of the house, but there's no other walls and roof. And I always remember that being very distinctive. And I was like, that's such a strange this, Tim Burton-y style. It is a Tim Burton sense. The yeah. whole mo- movie is just like all of their furniture is the worst furniture, yeah. <laughs> but like. Also, it's probably it, on purpose, though. It is. Well, yeah, but like for for uh, being an '80s movie, it reminds me really heavily of like all the really bad art from the '90s. Oh, and yeah. it's like almost like uh, everybody saw this movie and was just like, "We need to have that everywhere." Well, mm-hmm. okay, so in, but with that like macabre Tim Burton yeah, angle, yeah, totally. I mean, I've noticed like looking at fashions and styles over the years, like the iconic decade that we think of usually starts one to two years before. So mm-hmm. like if you think of iconic sixties fashion, it starts in like 58. Yeah. And then you think of like, iconic- it sort of bleeds over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally get that. This was kicking off the nineties. Yeah, totally. And it's weird how it like repeats like now eighties clothes are like super popular. Which I don't get <laughs> like the worst decade for fashion. They're like, let's bring it back. And then they're like, just kidding. I don't let's know. Let's bring back 70s, which I was like the second 90s worst decade. was kind of a really 90s, terrible in decade. my opinion, yeah. was the worst decade for fashion. No, 2000s. With like the metallics and like, do you remember the, the powder neons. blue glasses and like the yeah. pink glasses? Ugh. I think those are early 2000s fashions that you're remembering. Like I Spice Girls, like the twisty hair and like the jewels and. Like, I think it was part of the mid-drift. 90s too. And like the 
puka shells and like the 90s. Yeah, that's 90s. See, I think this feels very much stylistically like a mix of like uh, horror movie humor mixed with 90s style. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a weird one. I I don't think this is 90s style. I think it's more 80s style. Is it? I think it's a weird combination of both, like Brett was saying. Like the Mm -hmm. design of the interiors is very 90s, but like Winona Ryder is wearing very like 80s style. Yeah, she's very 80s looking. If I remember correctly, though, like their whole interior design thing was a joke. Yeah, Yeah. it is a Uh, joke. They're making fun of artists. Making fun of artists. But then, like, that's the way that art went for, like, a decade after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was some really early, early uh, criticism. Yeah. So, I I really wanted to watch this because there's a, a video game called Lego Dimensions. It's a Lego video game. But there's a bunch of different add-ons from all of these movies and TV shows. And there's a Beetlejuice level oh. in that game. Like, Lego Beetlejuice. Ooh. Okay. And I started playing it. And I started thinking, like, man, I need to stop and watch this movie because it's been way, way too long. Are there Lego sandworms? There's Lego sandworms. There's, like, and this is the thing that I'd forgotten, but, like, you go into the attic and there's a model of the town. Oh, yeah. And he goes Mm -hmm. into the Mm -hmm. model of the town. And I'm like, man, I need to stop this. I need to watch the movie again. Did any of you watch the animated series? Yeah. I loved the I'm surprised you did, actually. Because I would have thought because it was... Because I would have been age-appropriate? Were you? I thought it was on when I was a kid. I mean, they It was on for games. a long time. Oh, okay. Like, that was, yeah. And I would have been like 12, I guess. Really? Oh, wow. She thought you were much older than that. <laughs> no, I just, I thought it was airing when it, I was a kid. I'm just surprised. It got roped into the whole like 90s cartoon pile yeah. and kept going until yeah. like almost 2000s. Oh, I watched okay. Scooby-Doo as a kid, but... I was a little... To me, they're like a decade apart. Scooby-Doo. No, what I'm saying is Scooby-Doo is made in, what, 1975? Oh, right. Yeah. But yeah. I yeah. watched it. Yes, I did too. Yeah, I loved that that version too. But it's it's one of those weird choices. Like there was a Police Academy cartoon. You know, mm-hmm. like, are these really... Maybe more Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice at least makes kids. sense because there's animated content in yeah. it. yeah. I mean, granted, it's stop motion and mental. Police look real, Academy, but Police Academy was like never intended for children yeah, and shouldn't be have like, been a be cartoon. Like making a Hangover TV show for yeah. kids, like no. Here's the pictures of the hermaphrodite at the end. Yeah, no. but this is like Old frontal. But this is all about death. <laughs> it's a weird topic for the kids. Yeah, I think the but, cartoon didn't really have. Yeah, a they lot sidestepped to, that. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're just like we're in wacky land but, and like never really again, talked about it. There's yeah. like Billy and Mandy, which is a cartoon with the Grim Reaper. Oh yeah, like mm-hmm. death is. Common. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah, Billy and Mandy was good. And like we're watching Courage the Cowardly Dog right now, and it's all about <laughs> like this cat trying oh to my kill God, his grandma. I remember Courage the Cowardly yeah. Dog. So, so like good. death is a big thing in cartoons which is weird but or there's like Totoro deals with a lot of like death well, themes <laughs> what that's that's a completely different angle of animation like yeah it's a more like, serious but it, it's meant for kids from, though, from the too. studio yeah, that brought you Grave of the Fireflies uh <laughs> they they make really depressing death movies oh yeah it seems like different standards when you look at I guess, but I guess not. It's, everybody kind of leans into it, though. I don't think it's a sub. 
a subject that animators shy away from. Yeah, I think it's because like it's a part of life, and animation makes it easy to digest for kids. And like, most artists are really depressed. In that too, as <laughs> I would guess, especially Tim Burton. I don't know him personally, but and Winona Ryder at that age. Yeah, she's like like Christina Ricci, like the oh, little yeah. death obsessed oh, yeah. girl. Uh-huh. Christina Ricci, man, what happened to her? She reached too far. Oh, no, she's too still, She's doing stuff. She had oh, an Amazon show great. that got canceled. Oh, yeah, I'm good not, for her. <laughs> I'm not thinking of anything off the top of my head, but I know she's still <laughs> doing stuff. It looked really stuff. cool. It's like a period piece. Did you guys see Black Snake Moan? What? No, you've that told me like to see porno. it. No, I was. It so does good. sound like a porno, but it's not. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see it. Morgan Freeman's in that too, Sam, right? Sam Jackson or Sam Jackson? Oh, it okay. just looked like a weird movie. A weird good movie. But let's watch a different weird good movie, Beetlejuice. Um, yeah, I mean, I we sound like we're Beetle on the geist. same page. Like, I guess Ash remembers a lot more than the rest of us, but it seems like it's something we're all really into, but don't hundred percent remember. Yep, I was I was a huge Tim Burton fan when I was in like middle school, high school. Tim Burton was like my favorite director for a really long time, so I watched most of his films over and over and over again except for peewee i didn't know he did peewee but um so i think i've seen this film like multiple times which is why i have a really vivid memory of it yeah uh but that's yeah that's why i was and then he made planet of the apes and i was like i thought was great oh my god so I mean, (laughs) he made some weird, interesting choices here and there, but there was some really, really good stuff. Every time I'm in the airport, you know, when you walk along, it's like an escalator, but it's flat. I think of Planet of the Apes because that's how they made the apes run really fast. Oh, really? It wasn't one of those things, but they like drag, drug like a giant carpet behind a truck. So the truck's going like 20 miles an hour and the apes are running along that carpet. And so it looks that like they're really running. Unsafe. Re- yeah. Well, it was all stunt performers. Oh. Yeah. But I it, think about that. I will say I did see like a behind the scenes on how they tra- trained people to like walk like apes and stuff. And that was pretty fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, didn't, they didn't need to train Andy Serkis. He just did it. Yeah. Yeah. But Andy Serkis, that was a completely, like completely different, awesome thing that Andy Serkis is doing. Motion capture compared to like in, in the Tim Burton movie was incredible makeup effects and real in-camera performances. And two completely different awesome things, I think. Yeah. Like, Paul Giamatti as an orangutan was so good. Oh, wow. I don't remember him. In- yeah. Wow. Gary Oldman as a chimpanzee. Wait, what? I'm paying This was now. a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole movie felt like it was shot, shot on a soundstage, but still. Yeah. The performances and the makeup effects in that were so good. Except for Mark Wahlberg. Now Sam's <laughs> going to make me go watch Planet of the Apes. You kind of should. The music is so good. We should put it on our list. It's really not Let's good, guys. Not good. <laughs> How old is it? Is it? Is it? Does it qualify? Um, I, I mean, so. it's pre-2000, I think, but barely. I think it's 98 or something. I saw it in high school, Planet of the Apes, I think. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. See, that's Gary Oldman right there. What? <laughs> no, it's not. Just, there's a <laughs> picture of a chimpanzee. Two thousand one though. Oh wow. I was so it's Tim Roth, not Gary Oldman. Oh See, I'm not I get that, that Rosencrantz and Gildenstern thing ties me up every time. Lost it was me, Tim I'm Roth. Sorry. Anyway, so do you think it's still gonna be good? 
Me? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I think there's a a good reason why this film has such a following because it is a good movie. And I think it really stands up to the test of time. Um, I think it's it's been several years since I've seen it. So I'm not sure about like the music, but I remember the... This is an Elfman jam, isn't it? Yeah, I think the music is really good. And I think, you know, all the practical makeup and effects are just like amazing. It's one of those films... Sort of like Jurassic Park, where like it just holds up, you know, in my opinion. So you think. So I think. I know. We'll see. So I'll say that I'm just kind of generally along the lines of really excited to see it because I really remember it being good. And I am I think I'm just going to be reminded of stuff as we go. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, oh, you'll like remember oh, two oh. seconds before it happens. Yeah. Oh. What do you think, Brett? Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be good. Um, I think there's not a lot of movies that are in this kind of weird macabre genre that uh, that don't have the the cult classic status and are actually just everybody kind of remembers them as a good movie. And this is one of those ones where it's just like, I don't think it's a cult classic. I think it's a classic. Mm. And yeah, the, the Elfman stuff, I'm excited because this is when Danny Elfman was, you know, still doing new things and didn't just like lean on the Elfman sound. And there is like, you can hear, you know, actual music exploration in this. And uh, I, cause I remember the score from this pretty well. And yeah, I, I think this is like one of Danny Elfman's better jams. It's, it is my favorite Michael Keaton role. Uh, I'm excited mm-hmm. to watch it. And I feel like this score, you've heard people imitate it multiple times. The you person know? who's imitating it is Danny Elfman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think, Sam? I think it's going to totally hold up. I think the story and the characters are really what are going to stand out. Um, it definitely has a look and a feel that it's just fun to watch. Like It's just a fun world to visit, and I'm excited. All right. So we are going to pause recording, and we are going to watch Beetlejuice in, in the heat. And uh, you might want to pause, watch the movie, and join us when you're done. Accordion. (laughs) Tanny Elfman's music is like a demented mariachi band. That was Beetlejuice, you guys. Juicy. Yep. Let's address the monkey bone in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Michael Keaton stole a lot from Brendan Fraser. <laughs> or from John Turturro animated. Right? Because Beetlejuice is monkey bone. Yeah. But Beetlejuice but, came first, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, clearly. <laughs> so... You were mentioning, Brett, when we were watching it, about the misspelling. Did you guys want to yeah, jump that into that Yeah, that bothers first? me. Did they spell it properly during the entire production of the film and then later decided to spell it differently so it would look right on a home video box? I sense someone higher up being like, what the, what the fuck's a beetle goose? Like, no <laughs> one's going to go see that movie. Yeah. It's not how you spell that. On IMDb, uh, he's credited with the G version spelling. He who? Uh, 
the guy? Beetle Michael Keaton. Michael well, Keaton. Because his name is Beetle Goose, but the name of the movie is so not. Everything except the title of the movie is spelled with a G. The, the proper spelling. It's because Beetlejuice wanted to make sure everybody said it correctly. Mm, when so mm-hmm. they say his name three times and he gets summoned all over. The Can United you imagine States. all of the signs and the advertisement in the book and everything? It was spelled with the G. Hold on. We have the technology. I'm can, can you imagine, though, like all imagine? of the uh, the morning shows and stuff like uh, theater goers everywhere out this weekend to see Beetle Goose. Yeah, I would assume that's <laughs> what a, a studio said. Beetle Goose Mom. Beetle Goose Mom. Beetle Goose Mom. Beetle Goose Mom. <laughs> oh, my God. This needs to be a thing. I can't do a Louis Gooseman voice. Beetlejuice's name is often spelled phonetically as Beetlejuice, as it is in the title. However, during the film, his name spelled Beetlejuice, like the star of Orion. Orion, Orion yeah. the star of Orion, Beetlegeist. During well, his, you can still uh, say Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. She has to differentiate. Yeah, I'm trying listeners. to. <laughs> this is not a visual medium. Uh, during his ad on TV and everywhere else in the grave, there has been debate over which spelling of his name is correct. Some say that's because his name is the same as the introduction. This is the proof that they meant it as Beetlejuice, while others claim it was an error. I feel like I heard somewhere that it was an error, that like they spelled it wrong on the cover. Hmm. No. That's not a, a spelling mistake that you then build your entire print advertising campaign. and. But it's not once spelled that way in the film. Yeah, my guess is that it was like a after production decision, mm-hmm. Market, right. the marketing team ruined it. Yeah, yeah that's what marketing. I. That's what I mean. Yeah, is, so not a mistake. It was all intentional. Marketing still is a mistake. <laughs> yeah, nobody said, "Whoops, we spelled it wrong on all the posters, all of the print advertisements, the trailer." <laughs> Some marketing guy was watching the movie and was like, "Hey, did we spell it wrong? Fuck! <laughs> Somebody's getting fired." <laughs> did you know that Beetlejuice? Is the largest star in our galaxy, and is burns. it really? Yeah, I didn't. Know I, I was that. just at Griffith Observatory. Oh, it uh, burns. It's the top one percent of all stars, and yeah, never mind. Anyway, Wait, so Henry so, Selick had nothing to do with this movie. What's no, up? No, I'm that? really interested about this star shit. Yeah, tell me more about space, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, the whole time I'm wondering, is that Henry Selick? And it's not. Like this doesn't show up on Henry Selick's list at all. For, yeah. for the stop motion animation. Well, I think, um, I'm not sure what Tim Burton's role was in Nightmare Before Christmas, but I think it was a lot of the production design. Mm-hmm. And Henry Selleck was the director. Well, Tim Burton came up with the story. And I think he worked really closely with Henry Selleck, but he didn't actually direct it. But he was mm-hmm. very much involved in every aspect of the film. Yeah. I mean, like all the like stripes. And then the like swirlies, mm-hmm. like that's all very Tim Burton style. Yeah, yeah. Nobody did a swirlies like Tim Burton. Well, it's true. You so you you mentioned that like Monkey Bone stole from Beetlejuice, but if you consider the fact that they both work together on Nightmare Before Christmas, the question is: is like whose style is that? Is that Henry Selick's or is that Tim Burton's? Well, I mean, I think it's a combination of both. Mm-hmm. There's Things that are clearly Tim, and I think Henry Selleck's a little more of like a chameleon in that he can kind of do different styles. Yeah, because I wouldn't say that Monkey Bone looked 
like this in in like a exactly Tim Burton way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but the whole idea of let's have people in the afterlife world and it's animated through stop motion animation. Yeah. And then, you know, Henry Selleck had nothing to do with this movie, so that makes me say he stole the whole idea. Unless yeah. working together on Nightmare Before Christmas, Henry Selleck told his idea of monkey bone to <laughs> Tim Burton it's and a, Tim Burton stole his idea. So Tim Burton got in a time machine, went back 10 years and made Beetlejuice. Oh, night before Christmas Be- was after. Yeah. Beetlejuice oh, was before any of gotcha, that shit. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then never mind. <laughs> so is the moral of the story that you just should go on vacation? Because if they had just gone on vacation and gone somewhere, they wouldn't have died. The moral is, is- hit the dog. Don't <gasps> swerve. I was going to oh say, God. keep your dog on leash. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if there's an animal in the road, hit it. It's oh, kind my of, God. That's kind of a good point, though. Like, fuck that. Like, are you going to swerve for a fox and kill people? Or you do you just bear down and run down the fox? Actually, this was a moral dilemma that I was taught when I learned how to drive on the windy roads in rural Napa. <laughs> in Berryessa, yeah. Berryessa. The, the lesson that I got was... Hit your brakes as hard as you can, but stay in your lane. Yeah. And it's tough, but... So, yeah, so hitting, hit the dog. Yes. <laughs> hitting the animal doesn't necessarily mean you won't. That, that right. could still yeah, if it's be an a bad antelope, result you've got for a problem. you. Yeah. yeah. Or a moose. Don't but hit a moose. If you're going to hit an animal, period, then... Do you want to hit the animal in control? They do it hardcore. <laughs> well, do you want to hit the animal in control or out of control? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I think it depends on the animal, too. Like like that little dog would not have Take caused it. Down. That would dog was asking issues. to die. In the scene before, he fucking walks across the road right in front of their car, too. When they're going to like the hardware like, store. Hey, guys, I'm foreshadowing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was like that town's famous dog that would just walk around and everyone knew the dog. Was it? Do they say that? Well, there. I mean, there was a. There is like a real, a real place with a dog that is like the, the the town dog, and it goes. Can you imagine? It businesses. was a real place with a dog, and people knew There's that like dog. There's like news stories about it. And this movie was making reference to real places with dogs. You know, it's it's far fetched, but I can believe it. <laughs> far fetched. <laughs> <laughs> you making Pokemon references now? Oh my god. So are sandworms just like sharks where you just punch them in the nose and and then they're fine? Also, I never really thought about it before, but like the ending to this movie doesn't quite make sense. Like, did she just tame a sandworm in like five seconds? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. Well, in several hours. Yeah, it's true. I guess it was several hours. That's interesting. Interstellar time rules. Yeah. They were on Saturn or whatever getting a sandworm. Yeah. Yeah, wait, I don't get that part. Why can they not leave the house, but Beetlejuice can Because they go to house? Saturn. Well, it's purgatory rules. It's. I think Beetlejuice yeah. mentions at one point that he's 600. And the the caseworker mentions at another point that they stay in the house for 150 years. Uh, okay. So I think after 150 years, they can go wherever they want, maybe. Can they okay. just step out into the sand for a few hours and that's 150 years? I guess they could. I mean, I think it'd be a little more than a few hours, but... Now that they can tame the sandworms. If they well, can like, survive. Their the hallway sandworm. of doors kind of made it seem like it was a, like all of the places that 
dead people can go are connected by this thing, but everywhere else is just terrible sand. So you can't just like walk out your door. Yeah. But you could draw a door. I just like the... the It's like Rick and Morty rules. They just have a portal. It's like the psychological condition of purgatory. You know, this nightmare psychology of it. The rules are the rules that you would have in a fever dream. Not based on any physics. Yep. I also liked the idea that it kind of really played into the poltergeist you know, like what you see about poltergeists is that they start out, she kept telling them, start out simple, start out small. And with poltergeists, they start out small and then they get more aggressive as they get more attention. And so it's kind of like in this movie, they say like people won't see you, but if you start, if you start to make yourself known, they see you and that gives you more power to be more aggressive with your haunting. And I thought that was kind of interesting that they actually played to real real ghost rules there, if you think about it. Ghost rules. Ghost, ghost rules. rules. So why has there never been a movie called Poultry Geist? <laughs> was it just haunted turkeys? Yeah. <laughs> I think you answered your own question. Am I safe <laughs> from Poultry Geist because I don't eat chicken? Oh, they wouldn't. We have a plot now. The vegetarian yeah. saves the day. It seems like a, a Muppet Show sketch. Well, no, the vegetarian yes. dies first. What? Oh. Why? Because that's like because the virgin dies they're, first. They're, yeah, they're like a chicken virgin. <laughs> this is a fucked up movie. <laughs> so I'm bad at math. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, no, right. Very not bad 27. at math. Yeah, she's no. like 17. She is. Yeah, she's a baby. She's age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Age appropriate. for Beetlejuice to marry. Mm, well, nope. no, no, nope. he is didn't say that. Not a respectable man. <laughs> no, I think that's the point. <laughs> yep. But I, I firmly believe that that's how Michael Keaton is in real life. Oh no, <laughs> at least a little bit better than Beetlejuice. There aren't any allegations out about him. No, I <laughs> <laughs> didn't mean. He's no Weinstein. I have to say, I changed my answer. I think this is actually my favorite Michael Keaton. Roll. What did you say before? Much ado uh, about nothing. Pretty good. I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> Nick fell asleep during this movie. Oh, yeah, outed. That's why I'm not doing two shows a day. <laughs> <You never do. laughs> That's what we're doing today. And, and that is absolutely no comment on the film. No. It's the fact that I rolled into town at 5.30 this morning. Yep. I just thought I'd throw you under the yep. bus there. So I might have used harsher than necessary words. But you see what I mean about Alec Baldwin? <laughs> well, this is, this is an interesting age Aww. situation again because he looks exactly like Alec Baldwin. And you guys keep saying he looks weird. I didn't think he looked like Alec Baldwin. I, I but, like, I could almost, like, if you hadn't told me, I wouldn't have realized. I don't think I would have realized so that's weird. Alec Like, Baldwin. Alec Baldwin today looks like he ate that Alec oh Baldwin. My God. No, he, <laughs> you, so he looks older because he's older but let's let's let's, let's it's to me it's it's just something in his face like his bone structure looks different yeah well he has you can see his bone structure now that oh my god <laughs> you are so awful he's a bit Aww. older you guys his cheeks are a little more like sunken in and he has, mm-hmm. and now he has like a fuller rounder face. Yeah. Okay, so the shadow, the getaway, Glengarry Glen Ross, great Alec Baldwin movies, The Hunt for Red October, mm-hmm. Working Girl, 
He was have, a working girl. Have he you is seen a working any of girl, isn't he? He just works it. Like you guys are thinking of Thirty Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he did so many great movies when and he was significantly younger. No, this. I haven't seen any of those films. That's why it's a shock to me to see him. And that's why he totally looks like Alec Baldwin to me. He's always Alec Baldwin to me. Yeah, we didn't see Alec Baldwin grow up. <laughs> wow. Brett. What? That was just a <laughs> thing. I, that wasn't even a dig. You're being real mean today. I was just saying we didn't like, those are all like grown up movies and we were like 10. Oh my God. Um, yeah, and you still know all should, the Arnold ones, so. This is another reason we should watch The Edge because I think that's the transition Baldwin. Transition Baldwin. <laughs> he's like the in between young Baldwin and old Baldwin. Would you Baldwin. say he's on the edge of old and young? I His wish you would step back from 17. that ledge, Baldwin. God. <laughs> so I want to talk about the amazing lighting changes in this film. There were like some really yeah. awesome, sometimes subtle, sometimes not like when motivated lighting changes. He's relaxing in that deck chair with the red lighting mm-hmm. and he leans into completely straight normal lighting. Yeah, and the red light turns off or like... Yeah. Um, when she, when their caseworker is first telling them about Beetlejuice, it's subtle, but the lighting changes from a soft, like whitish blue to hard yellow. Mm. And it looks more like coming from below. And I think it's supposed to be because Beetlejuice is down there in the little set, but it's, there were some really cool lighting changes and transitions where like, they swooped yeah. around them to transition. The first to them. time they went into the model town mm-hmm. where the camera swung around and I didn't see the cut. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty seamless. I didn't see the cut either, but the second time they did it, I was like, oh, I see the cut now. Yeah. But that was a pretty impressive transition. Or there's even once there's one time where they're standing there and wind starts blowing in their faces and then we cut to the underworld. And there's wind blowing uh, paperwork down the walkway of the busy underworld, you know, area. And it's just like some very clever transitions that you just, you don't, I feel like that's where you see some of Tim Burton's brilliance. And in the details, you know, like production design, like you were saying, Sam. And I think it's a film that really worked toward, worked with their weakness, where it bothered me in Monkey Bone where some of these wild, crazy, beautifully designed characters didn't move. Mm. Their face didn't just real. didn't move. Mm-hmm. And that killed it. But then, like, the shrunken head guy, the fact that he didn't move or move very slowly was that character. Mm-hmm. And did not betray it for a second. So I think there was a lot of stuff in this movie that worked towards those weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And it's a much better way to do it. They kind of... Instead of just, let's just put somebody in a theme park costume, they said, let's use optical illusions to make these things work. Like, like the girl with the two legs, like Mm -hmm. there's clearly another woman in the couch, you know, but it's it's, creepy when you see a girl with two legs. (laughs) I mean, cut in half, half, yeah. That reminds me of uh, Coupling. They had some crazy episode titles, like the girl with two breasts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they did stuff like that. It was just brilliant. Wow. Yeah, like that whole waiting room mm-hmm. is just 
full of really funny, interesting characters. Yeah. Like, that that did not need to be dynamic. Yeah. No. Like, if you look at Monkey Bone, he's walking around this town mm. and there's all sorts of chaos going on with characters that cannot fulfill the right. needs of that scene. Gotcha. Yeah. But even, like, the receptionist, she was crazy interesting to, mm-hmm. like, watch. And you're sitting there, you're like, okay, what killed her? What killed her? What killed her? And then she like holds up her wrist at the end of the scene. And that that yeah. joke that they set up there that y- you didn't get until later on at the dinner party where she's like, I wouldn't have had my accident. And you think it's just like, oh, because dying sucks. And then, no, it's Otho's like, uh, I heard that if you kill yourself, you have, you're have um, like a social worker in the afterlife. Oh, and I didn't so catch that. that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. That dinner scene. Amazing acting. Mm -hmm. Like they're all like doing this synchronized dance, but their expressions like give it away that they're so confused. Especially the like decor guy. He he goes from like, I'm into this to what the hell? (laughs) You know, so great. You can clearly see the beats on his face, you know? Yeah. And then he like gets into it again at Mm -hmm. the end, which is just so funny. And if you look at that and also Alec Baldwin's headless body running up the stairs, mm, that yeah. you can draw a direct line to Chris Kattan and Monkey Bone. Oh. It's that same sort of thing. Yeah. Interesting. You know, people not in control of their bodies doing hilarious physical comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would definitely say that Chris Kattan took it to a new level, but the idea is definitely here. I feel like Chris Kattan's probably why they made that an entire sequence and not just a gag. Yeah. But I don't know. Jeffrey Jones dancing in this, like dancing against his will. Yes. (laughs) So funny. Weird to. Now I can't say nice things about Jeffrey Jones. I'm sorry. I ruined it for you. Well, Jeffrey Jones ruined it for us. Oh, was he a sex offender? He's a a creepy pedo. Oh. So great in this and Ferris Bueller and. Ooh. He's real Weinstein, that Jeffrey Jones. Oh, Ugh. you know that is—that's probably how that's going to go down. Yeah. So the music was really good, Brett. You—you you had kind of called that beforehand. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like there was there was one scene in particular. It was very subtle, but it was they were all sitting outside at, on that weird deck with a with a single wall mm-hmm. that you were talking about yeah, earlier. The weird deck. Um and. Yeah, there's a little like music flourish as they like pan across the scene, and it's just like, man, that was like m- meant for this scene. And I don't know, it's just nice to hear it's Elfman like music. It was scored, yeah, right. <laughs> well, but think- a lot of Elfman stuff nowadays is a little, it feels a little wedged in because it's what people want. I think what you're reacting to is like the music editing was really great. It didn't feel like a song that they cut in. It was like little bits that were made to help sell the story. Mm-hmm. Like the whole scene with like the wedding where they start to come in with that Beetlejuice score. Like just little yeah. hints of it. So great. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like Jaws where the Beetlejuice score comes in a little bit just to hint. Yeah. That he's coming. Which is great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I I get this sentiment that Danny Elfman always sounds like Danny Elfman. But I also feel that if you watch this and Pee-wee and Batman, 
they all sound like Danny Elfman, but they also really sound like the tone of the movie that yeah. they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. It, that this was like the Danny Elfman prime era. I, I think what what I imagine has happened over the years is like I, it almost feels like the, the the more stuff he does, like people try to just wedge in his music. Like I want that Elfman sound, and he you know they didn't give him the freedom to just score everything he wanted to. And these ones, it's like this is his projects you know like this is where that elfman sound came from yeah they're like danny do what you want and what he wanted was amazing and then and now in the future they say danny do what you used to do and so once again i would draw your attention to planet of the apes because that is really really good music and quite different and and it's elfman and check it out yeah i I feel like we don't sound very enthusiastic because it's like 90 freaking Oh my god! Five it's degrees so hot. in this house right now. So, listener, it's not that we're not enthusiastic. We're just hot. We're swimming in heat, and pork fumes, and dog breath. But I feel like this film was fantastic and still holds up. And it's interesting to me that if you think about it, um, Michael Keaton's screen time is pretty limited. Yeah, he came in oh, very yeah. late, and he doesn't even wear like the iconic striped suit until the end of the film. And it's interesting how he just like completely steals the movie, you know? So that reminds me, I forgot to ask in the beginning, who's the star of this movie? Well, or or who's the main character? Yeah. Star is a different question, but main character. Well, it's the couple together. It's not Lydia. Nope. It's not battle goose. Mm, technically speaking, no. It's the football team. <laughs> I would agree with Sam. I think it's it's them because they're they had the ordinary world. We see them in the beginning. They're happy. They had the inciting incident of dying, and then escalating conflicts of people moving in, and then they want to. They can't scare them out. They then want to use them to do parlor tricks, and then they have the resolution of everything's happy and they're able to come up with a compromise and live happily together. They had a full story circle. They did. I mean, it was like a whole story structure thing. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think Lydia is definitely the friend that helps them along the way. But the interesting thing is, I, and I was trying to remember, I wonder if you guys remember, in the cartoon, are the couple, is the couple even in the cartoon? Because Lydia is very so much the main character of the in cartoon. In the cartoon, uh, I, if I remember correctly, it's like someone didn't watch the movie and <laughs> Lydia and Beetlejuice are best buds hanging out doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of how yeah. I remember it. Too. Yeah, it's like the doctor and Lydia. Somebody didn't watch the the rapey <laughs> Beetlejuice oh. Vibe scenes. Yeah, someone just gave them like a movie poster and like make this into a cartoon, and it's like Michael Keaton and and what's that face? I don't know. Nick made a no. wow face. Adventures of a ghostly con artist and his twelve year old pal Lydia. Oh my god, <laughs> she got downgraded to twelve. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, we seem to not have too much to say about this because it it's so a good. Really good movie. There was a few shots of poor blue screen or green screen, mostly but... in the sand planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, I, I feel like it that. was forgivable. And his head shrinking at the end wasn't so hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it kind of fit the 
tone and look of the film, you mm-hmm. know? Like, it didn't feel out of place, you know? I like the sculptures coming to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of really good setups, like the wedding dress and uh, the wedding clothes. Yeah, that's set a up good in the scene beginning. when the ghosts were apparating into the clothes. Mm-hmm. If that scene specifically, for some reason, just always reminds me of the Disney theme park ride, the haunted house, haunted mansion, at, at the end with the the comeback right. with the oh yeah the wedding dress oh, lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's up with calypso music? I I don't know. I really like that. It's doesn't right off the shelf have anything to do with the subject of the movie. But when you put them in the same pot together, you get a spicy meatball. <laughs> yeah. I, I like it. Well, the interesting thing I don't think I ever noticed before was that Alec Baldwin is listening to that music in the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever picked up on that. In fact, he listens to the jump in the line, shake your body all the time in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. It's like his feeble approach at a haunting was like. A dance number from that song. No, when he was alive, he was... No, that's what I mean. Like, that's his music. That's where that came from. So Mm -hmm. when he wanted to do a haunting, that's what he goes to. Mm -hmm. And I guess you could talk about how zombies came from Cajun culture. But I don't know. They they don't draw that connection. I I think it was just fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you take your chocolate and your peanut butter and you get two great tastes that taste great together. (laughs) Thank you for explaining Reese's. <laughs> so backtracking to the effects, I liked how much they used miniatures. Yeah. Like there were quite a few scenes that played actually very well and very subtly that were meant to be the real world that were actually miniatures. Mm-hmm. I love to like the combination of like there's the shots with the fly that are the mm-hmm. miniature set, and then we cut to the real set with Michael Keaton, you know, under the foam, mm-hmm. holding up the candy bar. The sound booth padding painted green. It just looks like mattress, grass. like like pads or that like are the camping. Yeah, like the things. the corrugated mattress. Uh-huh. But I think pad. the the miniatures work so well because the miniatures are already part of the story. Yeah. Well, it's it's part of the look of the Mm -hmm. film like if you'd put those miniatures in a different movie it would look way out of place but they were really good about having like a shape language and a color language that bridged all these scenes together and made it feel like a cohesive world yeah yeah totally like having something real in the movie that looked like all of the fake stuff in the movie yeah Mm -hmm. i mean because even the scenes in the town and in the house when things aren't dead and weird still feel like the rest of the film you know it's not like doesn't it doesn't feel like a different movie in the beginning yeah exactly seth graham smith has been working on the script for beetlejuice 2 since 2012 i don't know if this movie is gonna happen (laughs) also as funny as the different spellings are seeing it written in cyrillic letters is even funnier what are cyrillic letters like russian in similar languages. Oh. <laughs> Beetlejuice. <laughs> so you can summon Beetlejuice, summon Beetlejuice with his name and banish him with his name. So is he like Rumpelstiltskin, I guess? Or Rumpelstiltskin, you you defeat him 
by yeah. saying his name. I think Rumble's Dulskin yeah. was just like lost a bet. I don't think yeah, he was defeated. I think you're not supposed to know his name, and that's you have control once you know. Yeah, his name. he was just a belligerent name. drunk, and and I think that's kind of the case with Beetlejuice. But he wants people to know his name because he's kind of working that system. Mm-hmm. So he's like not allowed to tell. But if they learn his name, you know. But that doesn't make sense because he pretty much tells the couple his name, right? With his it's little. It's in fake the advertisement. Ad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he doesn't say it. He doesn't say it in the advertisement, though. It's just on the screen. Yeah, it's true. Because Gina Davis's character goes, Beetle Guys? Like, what's that? Which is a nice way for it to be like a way for them to talk about him without actually saying it three times. Yeah. Because she does say Beetle Guys three times. Oh, yeah. I really like Gina Davis, too. She's fabulous. The, when when she's asleep, floating beside the bed, mm-hmm. that little Gina Davis scream when she falls to the floor. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, I, I only see that coming from Gina Davis. It was well, pretty good. It would only come from Gina yeah, Davis. Yeah, a little Gina Davis scream. It's like a, a, a Julie Roberts laugh. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know? Very unique. I just, I like how she plays the character as like kind of innocent but not dumb yeah yeah so yeah it's and sweet while we're talking about people we haven't talked about Catherine o'hara yeah i will go insane and bring you with me <laughs> <laughs> i don't she, think she gets respect for the comedic genius that she is yeah, her facial expressions like really sold most of that stuff. Yeah. Like, it was just so funny. That was also another great like thing that I never kind of caught before, but the foreshadowing of her one statue falling down and trapping her in the beginning mm. of the film yeah. and then it being the same statue that traps her later is kind of oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Like all of the terrible things that happened to them had already happened to them. Maybe this is a tale of, like, carbon monoxide poisoning. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Well, it's just another case of the fever dream feeding into the psychological terror of sins drifting off. I Okay. I I have to say, though, you claimed in the beginning, Brett, that this was they redo the house in 90s style. I don't know anybody who painted their walls like that. Who paints their walls like speckled gray? Well, I like, think that's the point. She was one of those unhinged New yeah, York artists. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was the style of unhinged New York artists. I guess in so. The early 90s. Yeah. Maybe you haven't gone through enough random LA thrift stores, but you find furniture like that and or, you just you know that it came there's from There's a lot the of era. discarded or modern 90s. art exhibits. But yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the walls though. Well, I think earlier we were talking about the furniture oh, and okay. then they just kind of went with the walls to show how much of like an extreme like artist she was trying to be Mm -hmm. because in reality she doesn't really create art until the end of the movie you know she has Mm. five sculptures like that's her thing and then finally at the end she's actually doing art if you want to scare people do it with your sculpture (laughs) (laughs) well even her agent calls her out on it like i've been your agent and i've been losing money forever like you're a flake like calling her out on how she doesn't do anything like Mm -hmm. this whole i think the whole point of moving was so the husband would like chill out and not be as stressed and she could do her art and all she wants to do is redo this house Mm -hmm. which is like stalling on her creating her art Mm. i like the touch at the end if you notice in the background 
half the wall going up the stairs is still the horrible speckled gray. So it's like they made this compromise that the bottom floor was the ghosts and the top floor is there. I didn't notice that. Yeah, if if you look at the background when she's dancing with the football players. That's fun. Yeah. It's kind of a weird living situation that they've ended up with there. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like we're just like two sets of parents. Yeah. One's dead, one's insane. <laughs> one's insane. <laughs> one's Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, like the, the end of the movie kind of imply that her parents didn't give a shit about her school or like her education. I, or... I Did her parents ever seem to give a shit about her self absorbed. Her dad does to a, a certain extent, but her stepmom is very like self-absorbed. I don't know. Step-mom? I never saw the dad. Give... Yeah, that's her stepmom. Yeah, it's her stepmom. Catherine O'Hara's a yeah. stepmother. Mm-hmm. She makes a point to yeah. to say that at one one point. Winona I does fall asleep, but <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't feel like the dad cared at all though because there's one point where she goes and she's just trying to talk to him and he's like I'm trying to relax, leave me alone, stop talking to me. Yeah, when she's just trying to talk to him mm. like a normal human being. He just saw ghosts. Yeah, you know the uh, the ghosts in the sheets. Like, uh, ghosts in the sheets is a good band name. <laughs> well, I thought no. it was gonna be an anime. <laughs> <laughs> but she like busts into the hallway, like taking pictures and like you sex perverts. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, her funny her her character had like a funny little reversal there, where she goes to talk to her dad, like she's all dark and all about death and like creepy and then she says in the study like well you may be fine living with ghosts but i'm not mm-hmm. which is just kind of funny like oh it's it's all a ruse like she's not really okay with they, this they called her bullshit yeah bullshit winona so our final thoughts on this whole thing um i'll say that beetlejuice 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 <laughs> I, I think it was really good as expected. Now I'm excited to go back and play the rest of the Beetlejuice level you, in Lego Dimensions. I feel like you just used us for your own. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and I'm once again anticipating for them to give Winona more to do in Stranger Things 2 rather than just be like searching for a kid and crying the whole time. Because we've seen she can mm-hmm. be great. Let's see. Let's make Winona great again. Let's put that Ooh. on the hats. Oh. Take it back, please. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you guys have weird reactions to stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's where I am. I'm excited for Stranger Things 2, and this was really good. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Tell us more, Brett. <laughs> Agree with me more. Um, yeah, no, this really held up. Watching Michael Keaton, I think, is always f- fun. Um I haven't seen like a million of his movies, but I don't know that there are a million of them. Is, is he? Well, we listed a bunch of them before we watched this film. But you know, I just it's in my head, I, there's that, there's this arc, the Michael Keaton career arc, where he's like, "I'm Beetlejuice, crazy," and then like, "Yeah, I'm Batman," and then like later on, he's like, "I was Batman," and then <laughs> <laughs> and then. <laughs> so, what are you? I'm and Batman. Now, and now he's like, I can what be Batman again. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's a good time. Michael Keaton does a good job. It's funny. I want to answer that question, but 
what keeps popping up in my head is Money Pit, but that was Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, say Michael Keaton's not in Money Pit. Right. But he did a lot of really funny stuff before this. For example, Gung Ho, John, Johnny Dangerously. That's We need to watch Johnny Dangerously. I've heard it's good. That sounds like, like something in the realm of Naked Gun. Didn't they just do a remake of that? <laughs> That would be a surprise. Are you thinking Johnny English or whatever? Maybe. The Rowan Atkinson one? Maybe. Here's why I keep I thinking of Money Pit. Mr. Mom. Oh, yes. That's the same sort of tone. I don't know if I, I remember Mr. Mom. Yeah. He's a little more, he's less crazy, but. Yeah, but that's where he came from. Yeah, gung-ho, Johnny Dangerously, that sort of stuff. Is the guy that played Otho, was he in anything else? Because I can't think of if he did anything else, that is, I thought that's who you were talking about in the beginning. That if, was who I was talking about. If they were ever to remake this film, they would have to have Titus from Kimmy Schmidt. Oh he my would yes. be so perfect for that role. Yes. Oh my God. That's so perfect. I like that. You'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, the only thing I know him in aside from this is Planet of the Apes, where he was an orangutan and he was awesome. I will say, I mm. wish, uh, I wish we got to see more of the underworld, like more, you know, like <laughs> it's like, I, I really enjoyed the creative imagination parts of that. It'd be cool to see more. I felt that same way. I feel like about monkey bone too, where it was like, yeah. I like this idea. Let's keep going with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I don't know. I think there's a fine line. Like, if there had been too much more, it yeah. would have been too much. Mm-hmm. But, like, just a little bit more. I kind of liked this thing where it was, like, death isn't really that different from life. And it just kind of, like, the underworld is a shitty office. Yeah, I guess the real moral of the story, Gina Davis says to Winona Ryder, she's like, death doesn't make anything easier. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's really the moral of the story, if you think about it. Yeah. You should check out... Uh, this show called The Good Place. Have you heard about that? Yeah, yeah. It's. Are uh, you into that? I just got into it because our friend Garrick told me to watch it several times, hmm. and it's. It was only one season, I think, but it's on Netflix. I've well, I've seen the first episode, and okay. I didn't think it was that great. It. It tries a little too hard to be funny, mm-hmm. and if you get past that, it's kind of fun. I just don't buy what's her name as an evil person. What's her name? Kristen Bell. You know what's funny? Kristen Bell. Yeah. The whole time I'm watching, I'm thinking this could have very easily been Marissa. Right? That's exactly what I said. (laughs) Marissa, it's the perfect role for Marissa. And she would have been so much better because I just don't I just don't believe Kristen Bell. Like anything she says, I'm like, I just She's so adorable. Yeah, she just doesn't come off. I don't know. I think Marissa Marissa would have had like a little bit more snarkiness to it that would have really sold that. Like when Roll. she tells somebody, eat my farts. Yeah. <laughs> I can see Marissa. She, she just still sounds too like, I'm a Disney princess when she mm. sa- when Kristen Bell says it. I don't know. But if you want fun, weird afterlife stuff, a little bit Brian Fuller-ish. Yeah, Good Place right. is really good. I have to check it out. I just, for, while you guys are talking, I, I got reminded of a scene from, from the movie that was like the one moment when Michael Keaton stopped acting like Beetlejuice, and was when he said Juilliard. I went to Juilliard. And... No, no, oh. that was like no when <laughs> when uh, uh, 
went on a rider was like, like I want to, you know, go to the other side or whatever. And, and he just stops. He's like, why? <laughs> and like, we're like for a moment was just like, wait, this is all fun and games, but like, I'm dead. This sucks. Like, why you want to do that? And then like, and then we're right back into character. But for a moment he was just like, now this just got real. Like, why do you want, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Question. Michael Keaton marrying Winona Ryder. What? Why? Like, oh, what does that do? I was thinking about it. It it had absolutely no bearing on the story. Yeah. It was the racing to the barn action scene. It was the ticking clock to gotcha. have a, you know, a tense ending to the movie. Yeah, because the way I saw it was they set him up with Gina Davis as being just like a sleazeball. Yeah. So we know he's a sleazeball and a horn dog, And then he meets... An even more younger, attractive female. So, of course, he's he's attracted to the younger, attracted female. And I, the way I take it is I feel like the whole... And, I, you know, I might be wrong, but I feel like his whole story about, like, I've got to marry somebody is just complete bullshit. And that he just... He just wanted to marry her. Yeah. I like this this other thing, though. I was it, I, It's not directly about this movie, but I came up with the... Uh, bad guys never lie. Uh-huh. Interesting. And like in a lot of movies, I mean, there's definitely the ones that break the rules, but the villains are usually the most honest people in every movie. Uh, mm. Because uh, they're think, honest about what they want and what they'll do to get it. And... Yeah. Like Vader never lies about anything. Which uh, reminds you of that awesome thing. The doctor lies. Well, it's, it's a- just a thing that pops up in Doctor Who. The doctor lies. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. all the like all the time, the protagonist lies. So I kind of like this idea that you know, I don't think anything Beetlejuice said, if in, unless that unless you're right about th- that thing, the rest of the stuff he says in the movie, none of it's a lie. Mm. He's he's very like honest and 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 forward about like you know, I want to I want to get out, I want to do shit, like hire me. And uh, what if like that was just the thing? Like if he gets married to a real person, then he can walk around the world again or something. Yeah, Who maybe. knows? Yeah, they could have set that up a little bit better. Yeah, it was very flimsy. Yeah. Like the caseworker could have said something and then I would have really given it credit, you know, like yeah. if she had a comment about that. But before we get a bunch of angry stuff, Anakin does indeed lie when he goes and kills all those kids. kids. But he was not... But those the v- movies he- don't exist and they're not canon. Oh, okay. And he wasn't really like... <laughs> that was the moment when he turned into a villain, but like he was not the villain in the prequels. Hmm. I'm that's so true. on board with what you just said. That's true. Point, yeah. Yeah, that, no, that's, I agree. Those are stories of the transition. Yeah. The corruption. But yeah, just I, no, take notice when you're watching stuff. Good guys always lie. Bad guys never lie. Interesting. That's why, yeah, the the best villains are the ones who are good. You know, as bad as Man of Steel was, General Zod was good. He was doing the only thing to save his people. And that's the thing I loved about that movie. Yeah, totally. Too bad Superman turned out to be a villain. <laughs> <laughs> Never saw that coming. <laughs> yeah, surprise! Superman's evil. He kills people. So, Sam, did you was did you give us your end thoughts? No, I don't think I did. I got distracted. Um, yeah, still love this movie. Still great. Love the look. Love the effects. Really like the story, even though it's kind of like light and fluffy and doesn't have a ton of substance. It's really fun. Very original, too. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, like Nick pointed out, we've seen similar things pop up since. but We've seen other things steal this idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. but 
So much fun. Definitely holds up. The closest I can think is Ghostbusters. You yeah. Know, comedy Where it's about like whimsy. dead people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. who would think of making horror movies funny? Mm. You mm-hmm. know, and both of these are goofy ideas. And why would you ever let somebody make that movie? Yeah. But good thing they did. So what do you think, Ash? It's pretty terrible. Oh, I think I said mine first. That I, I think it oh. still holds up. Definitely really good. I, I think Brett hit the nail on the head when he said this film isn't a cult classic. It just is a classic mm-hmm. <laughs> because there is just like seriously nothing, nothing wrong with it. I just think it's, it's really well done. Indeed. So that's Beetlejuice. I think yeah. we, uh, Beetlejuice, we got a pretty good movie out of that. Oh no. <laughs> Um, they, they listen to our podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was this is the show. Um, <laughs> if you like this, Come on, finish the show. It's part of the last dash. Show them about the YouTube channel. <laughs> it's Come well, on, Brett. Fuck you, Nick. <laughs> Keep it up, Nick. Nickel, <laughs> nickel juice. It's so good, nickel juice. <laughs> uh. Don't like and subscribe. <laughs> we need more likes. It's a five star review. Listeners, we, need, we do yet? need more likes. I'm stealing Sam's thing. Because uh, I get a, I get a feeling that no one listens far enough in to get oh, to the end of, of our sorry, of our spieling. Leave us a freaking review on iTunes. Give us that five star rating. Give them sweet sweet stars. iTunes will promote us <laughs> if we get five stars. We've got like four and a half guys. Come on guys. Come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, but yeah, Last Dash TV. It's on YouTube and this podcast and YouTube. We got a drinking show and a cooking show. Podcast on our YouTube, jackass. <laughs> what what what? He's Beetlejuice, anyway, can, what? can you do our outro every time, please? <laughs> yeah, you're just gonna have nickel juice on on the <laughs> do the whole outro. Take it away, Nick. It's all you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I wanted to thank um, I wanted to thank Andrea, you're yeah, Davis. Uh, she sent us an email saying, uh, "I just rewatched the movie Nine to Five, and I was surprised that some of the issues it was addressing are still in discussion today, some thirty years later." I immediately thought of you guys and wanted to suggest it for an episode of Let's Rewatch. I enjoyed the podcast and thanks and keep up the good work. So thanks, Andrea. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Let's put that on our list. Yeah, we will put that on the list. And then, um, oh, I looked it up. It's it's apparently a hilarious Dolly Parton film that I've yeah, never yeah, yeah. seen. And it has, um, I'm totally blinking on that comedian's name. She has dark hair. I will believe whatever Mary you Tyler say. Moore. <laughs> Maybe. Is that her? <laughs> Brett has my phone. I, I can't. Nickel Juice will look it up while, uh, <laughs> and uh, make sure that you not only leave us a review like uh, Nickel Juice said, but also please uh, follow us on Twitter. You can follow Laughstash at Laughstash TV, and you can follow Bless You Dog. You can follow Let's Rewatch at Let's Rewatch on Twitter, and if you follow us, we do fun stuff. Like, we post screenshots of the film so that you can guess the movie, and we do polls. So this time, I posted a screenshot of, like, the very beginning of the film. Uh, It's a shot of the city, the little town. I didn't realize that I got it right as Winona Ryder's name was fading (laughs) on. It's very subtle. But uh, the first person to guess accurately that it was Beetlejuice was Catherine. Good job, Catherine. And then um, Chris also guessed. I think there was one more person. Uh, 
Oh, yeah, Chris. Chris and Chris. Two Chris's. Good job, guys. Lily Tomlin. It is Lily. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to say Jane Fonda, but it's only because I can't tell them apart, apparently. Um, Brad already said my thing. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you keep your uh, podcast thing all set up with your uh, Google Plays and your, your iTunes. We're doing yeah. it again in two weeks. Uh, um, so next time... Yeah, you guys, you guys ever run out of Mimsies? Because we're gonna watch the last Mimsy. What? <laughs> <laughs> you really shut everything down there, didn't you? <laughs>